Hey, Red. Hi there, Red. Welcome, Welcome to, to Red Square. Red Square. No commie talk, just common sense from, from a couple, couple of uncommon gingers. You got that right. <laughs> Ain't that the truth. Well, what's on your mind, Red? Well, Red, a whole week has passed by, so there's plenty. But what I want to talk about first <laughs> is I just had a small Snickers bar. What do they call those? It's not small. They call them... The fun size. Yeah, it's a fun size Snickers and bar. And you know what? It's not that much fun anymore. <laughs> It's gotten a little bit smaller, huh? A little. <laughs> like, maybe they want to start calling it bite size instead of fun size. There you go. Yeah. All right, so that was, <laughs> that was first and foremost. Hey, you know, just trying to keep your caloric intake down a That's little bit. Right. But, but I, I was, yeah, what else is on your mind? I want to talk about Trouble in Paradise. Oh, geez. I know, the last episode was all about our trip to Hawaii. And it is crazy what's going on in oh Hawaii my God, right now. Have you seen the reports? Yes. Um, we texted with our cousin, or with the wifey's cousin and her aunt and uncle, and they're all fine on the big island. There were fires near Kona, which is on the other side of the island from where they live, but they are contained. Um, they just responded with, thank you so much for checking in. This is so sad and so horrible. We're really feeling for the people on Maui. Well, this, on the island of Maui, they said that, I mean, city blocks are just gone. Been destroyed. People jumping in the ocean to try and escape. To avoid fire. Could you imagine going on vacation and having to jump in the ocean to stay alive? Yeah. Just, yeah, talk about completely different from the experience that exactly. we had. Exactly. And only a few weeks away. Exactly. Yeah. So, just so crazy and so scary. It, I guess it all started because of the the strong winds from the hurricane blowing over power lines and stuff. Oh, really? Starting fires. Wow. I mean, I... No cell phone service either, supposedly. Right. I mean, an absolute nightmare. I, I, let's not go into the gory details, but, but there was human life loss, and that's just horrible if, if, if when you put that in the, in the terms of, of, a, of a vacation. Seriously. When you, you think you're going to paradise, and that's what you run into. Right, and you... you wind up in hell right just appreciate every day today's friday august 11th and it's going to be a great day that's right well what I, else has been oh, going on even, i'm sorry did we even talk about it? we're doing the ginger bites we jumped right into the ginger bites today i got well i got a little after your with the fun size <laughs> after your less than fun size snickers we had to just jump right into it. Hey, the other thing that happened, did you vote last Tuesday? Of course I did. It's one of those August elections. You know what was weird about that? I, yeah, First of all, let's go back to your August elections. They're unusual. They are, and I thought that the Ohio legislature had said, we're not doing them anymore. They tried to not do it because... In the past, turnout has been so low. Yeah, like 10%. 10%. So, well, they tried to sneak through a little ballot, well, a constitutional amendment. To change the Ohio Constitution. Yep, that's what constitutional amendments do, Red. That, that, that's kind that of the... Our <laughs> name, but, yes, they wanted to change the Constitution using Issue 1. And what this would do was make it so that... If you want to change the Constitution any further, it requires a 60% vote. 
approval rating from Ohio voters. As opposed to 50% and... 50% plus one voter, majority rule. You had to have the ballot on all 88 counties in Ohio. Yeah, I I read that too. And (coughs) at first I thought, well, that part kind of makes sense to me. Why wouldn't you need signatures from all 88 counties? Like, I thought that made sense. But then the more I thought about it, the more I read about it, that really does cater to special interests who have big money and can afford to put people on the ground in all 88 counties. Some regular citizen-driven ballot initiatives, they're not able to put people on the ground in all 88 counties, but they are able to gather the signatures in more of the urban areas. Just logistically, you know, it costs less money. They have to travel a lot less when the population's denser. Right. So what I was saying, though, about this um, ballot was it was probably the only time I voted, that I can remember anyways, that there was only one issue on the whole ballot. I know. You know how the poll workers are always there and they always seem to be what I'm guessing are retired people. Right, right. Um, This elderly lady gives us a sly grin and says, oh, I see you came to vote on all the initiatives today. And my wife sort of looks at me and was like, I thought it was just one. And I was like, it is just one. She's trying to be funny. But yeah. Sounds like she came across snarky. I think she was just trying to be funny. But yeah, one issue. I thought it was interesting as I thought about this. They want to change the constitution so that it takes 60% to make an amendment. Right. And so wouldn't this amendment, wouldn't it make sense that this particular amendment should have 60%? But they were going to pass this one with, without 60%. Without 60%. And they did pass without 60%. And they would try to make it 60%. Right. So I guess they need that. But the, the underlying question is, why were they passing, trying to pass this amendment? Well. And we all know why. Proponents of issue one claim that this amendment is designed to protect us from special interests that they don't want moneyed interests to come into the state and start campaigns to change our constitution you know that making sure they were they were touting the signatures from every county as being more representative which in some ways i can see that argument that makes sense and then that the 60 percent minimum would protect us here in Ohio. That's what the proponents said. But they were trying to protect protect their own special interest. Uh, yeah, obviously. And which is what? Well, this comes down to abortion access. Abortion. And that's what it, this whole uh, whole issue on the ballot was basically an anti-abortion issue. Well, it, it the way I see it, and I may be a little bit off here, but the way I see it is they wanted to get this abortion ban through and then make it harder to change the Constitution to try and keep it there. Well, that's because in the fall, this they want to amend the, the heartbeat Constitution bill. Yeah. To, to basically allow abortions in Ohio, whereas everybody around us, other states, are outlawing them. Yeah, the restrictions are happening. It, it, it's weird how this is playing out throughout the United States. Some states, like Kansas that you would expect to be more conservative, these bans have been overturned by their state courts. What about Nebraska? That's a good question. I honestly don't even okay. know. But I, I know places like Texas and Florida are, are horrific. Like Oklahoma, the right. like near bans. Yeah, so it really this issue one really was all about 
abortion access. And really, it was sad how much money got spent on this. Mm-hmm. Trying to pull the wool over people's eyes and then how much money got spent trying to, like, is educate the right word? I don't know. Trying to inform, maybe, is a better word, the Ohio public about what this is really about. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. When they try to inform the Ohio public, and that this goes for each side. Each side has their own perspective, and there's no middle ground. Yeah, this was a real simple, either vote yes or vote no. Right. I saw a lot of money got spent on vote no. Um, and I was happy about almost it. Almost ten times as much as vote yes. Because I, I wanted it shot down. But you know that the, the, the people who voted for yes, they got $4 million from one donor. Yeah, talk about special interest. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So I wanted to make this point was that... Uh, we went back to the election, having it in, it in August, that most of these initiatives in August get 10%, 11%. Do you know how many people voted, what percentage-wise, in this election? Oh, I don't. How many? 38. Which is huge. Which shows you that this uh, issue inflamed a lot of people. It definitely, yeah. It got people to the polls. And, and, and that was my secondary point with that, is that it was take off the, the cloak and dagger, or cloak anyways, it was an abortion issue. And this, there's a lot of people in this supposedly red state who are uh, pro-abortion. I don't know that I would use those words. I think they're pro-choice. Pro-choice. It, it, yeah. That... It's, it's a more inclusive term. But, but this was interesting, I thought. They passed the ballot, I think, with 58% of the vote. Okay? Do you know how many people... Uh, in polling are pro-choice? Less than that. No, 58%. Oh, really? That, so what the, What I'm saying is that... Uh, I would have expected less than that in Ohio. No, no they're saying the, the pro-choice people are speaking up. After this, uh, the Supreme Court turned it down nationally, the individual states, there's a groundswell of people yeah. who want to, to... Well, women want to make their own choices. Exactly. They don't want to... We live in a land of freedom, and they don't want to see freedoms being taken away. Yeah, I, I had this idea for this cartoon in my head. Who should make pro-choice decisions? Physicians, doctors, healthcare. Then the last one goes, right-wing politicians. <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. The Christian conservatives right. should make all the decisions for everyone. For everyone, right. Well, yeah, I don't, it's... It was, it was crazy. Another one of these political games. It just really goes to show you how these, I say these people, and I'm including both Democrats and Republicans, just do not have our best interests in mind. Not always. And you have to, you, you have to do your homework and you have to pay attention. You do. You, it, it's really a requirement these days to sift through the bullshit. Right. Because right. there's so much of it out there. Well, that was a little less fun. Well, I guess about equal with that Snickers bar, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. well, so let's go on. What's really important? Oh, yeah. Here's the really fun stuff that happened. So I had a random day off yesterday, and I thought we were going to record yesterday. So when it turns out you were busy and weren't able to record, I look at the wifey and I say, geez, I was planning on spending you know, three hours or so doing the podcast today. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. She was like, oh, well, that's great. 
Too much time on your hands, huh? A, a random free day. What a treat that is. You're going to get to do whatever you want. Go have a nice lunch. You know, go do some artwork. What do you think you're going to do? Will you work in the yard? And then as she's getting ready to go do her, uh, she had appointments and stuff yesterday, meetings, whatever it was. She's like, oh, man. But if you have time and just feel like it, our bedroom floor is filthy. And I was like, what? She said, yeah, it's filthy in here. Maybe you could Swiffer in here if you have time. I said, oh, so now you're putting me to work on this random, wonderful day off. Isn't it amazing how Swiffer is now a verb? Yeah, it, it right? <laughs> it's no longer an object. Right. It's a, when you Swiffer, it's everyone knows what you're talking right. about. So she was like, no, don't. You don't have to do that. Only if you feel like it. So I just decided, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and go for it. And I just went for it in the biggest way. I cleaned everything up off the floor, swept the entire floor underneath the radiators, behind the dressers, underneath the dressers, totally cleaned it all up. Then I got in there and I did the dry Swiffer. Then I mopped, let that dry, and then I went back in with another dry Swiffer. And I looked at that and said, wow, that looks great. My feet aren't dirty walking across the floor. I guess I better do the rest of the house. So that was my afternoon yesterday, Red. Moving and sweep, sweeping and swiffering I and did mopping. Our, I did our studio room. Doesn't it look good in here? Sparkling. And the yoga room right next to us with the little row machine. That's all cleaned. and The floors really look good, folks. Dusted and mopped. I mean... We're gonna try to do going back to Hawaii. We're gonna try. We're gonna try and do Hawaii style in our house, which means take your shoes off at the door. We've been doing it for a year. I know, and, and, and it took me a while to accept it, but now I understand it. I was kind of against it, and you were trying to convince me months ago. Like really, when I sweep on Sunday, you'd be amazed at how much less dirt there is now that we take our shoes off. It's so. It's so. Uh, Simple as of a concept. You, you track in dirt all the time. I know. Shoes, the outside is filthy. Yeah. The, the bottom of your shoes are dirty. And I always just felt like it's okay to wear them in the house. But I'm going to try and keep them at the door now. Well, it's okay if you want to clean the house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was in the middle of this. I'm sweating. You know, I must have looked a total mess. I got my hat on backwards. My hair's all scraggly. No shirt. Just sweating. And I'm like thinking in my head, you know, it might be worth a hundred bucks a month to hire someone to come clean (laughs) these floors. So it just reminds me of this old, old cartoon called Mr. Natural, which was huge in the 70s. And they showed this old guy with a bald head and a beard. And they just show him cleaning the kitchen. And they show him washing the dishes, drying the dishes, putting the dishes away, wiping the counters. And then... After he's done, he looks back, and you can see like that little cartoon sparkle thing in yeah, the yeah. kitchen, and he just says, cleanliness is its own reward. <laughs> <laughs> That's some wholesome 70s shit right, right there. <laughs> but I don't know. It was a real sense of satisfaction. I was still mid, like, br- broom stroke when the wifey walked back in the door, and she was very happy. She was pleased with the results. There you go. And that, again, is its own reward. Right? All right, what else you got, Red? Well, we have to do the 
Sports Report! Because we have had some fun stuff happening with the Guardians. Well, we had a national event here. (laughs) I'm sure you all saw it in the news. Yeah, on various platforms. Future MMA champion Jose Ramirez (laughs) slides into second base. What? What? You were at this game. I was at this game. You got to... All right. Tell the story from someone who was there. Because I wasn't even watching it. All of a sudden, my phone just starts blowing up with all these texts. You Are you watching this? Tim Anderson always starts trouble. I can't believe Jose. Oh, my God. Francona's been ejected. And i like, okay, i got to get on online and start figuring out what's going on. Right, but right. you were there. So, Jose Ramirez slides into second base, slides under Tim Anderson's legs, and didn't like the way Anderson, who's the shortstop for the White Sox, tagged him and he said something well tim anderson took exception to it and immediately took off his glove and put up his hands like he wanted to fight him yeah like just squared up on him yeah and and, i mean and this happened lightning fast so but the funniest thing about this is he took two weak shots at jose jose backed up and covered his head and then he came back with a right hook on the jaw. I mean... On the glass jaw of Tim Anderson. Nailed him. And Anderson staggers back and then falls. <laughs> on his ass. Oh, my God. Oh, so I can't imagine what it would have been like to be there. It bro- it was probably all happening so fast because I watched replays from different angles. And right, right. Like several different like shots of it. Well, you know Hammy's call was amazing. It was, and it, and it, brought, it brought him national attention. But when, down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. And now they're making T-shirts of that. I, I, that's what I heard. They're already out. So one of the greatest things about that whole uh, episode was the crowd. So when this started happening, from the onset, the crowd just stood up, and the whole crowd chanted oh. for ten minutes. Jose, Jose, the <laughs> Jose, 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 Jose. And this is 38,000 people. Yeah, I love it. It was great. Yeah, that was a sold-out game. Yeah. Yeah, all right. So that happens, and I got to start reading about this. I want to see more. So I read, first I read the transcript of the interview, and then I finally found the interview of Jose after the game. This is all via interpreter because he just speaks Spanish. Right, and that was another great thing. His interpreter ran out there as soon as this started happening. <laughs> He's like, I gotta be out here for this. That's right. So it was great. Did you see that though? No, I that was all right. So here, here's what uh, or I mean the interview. No, I didn't. Okay, so they're sitting there and going back and forth, and Jose says, "Well, he's been tagging people too hard, talking about Anderson, especially the young guys. The day before, he tagged Rocchio so hard it like knocked his hand off the base, and they called him out. Yeah." And Jose said, I already told him, you need to stop doing that. Wasn't that when uh, Frank Kona got kicked out then? After that call? That, that might... I think so. That makes sense. I'm not positive, but that does make yeah. sense. So then Jose says, I slid into second, and he did the exact same thing to me. He hit me hard, way harder than was necessary. So I told him so, and then he told me I, I want to fight, so I had to defend myself. Right. And that's... And Jose, like... Not animated, nothing, just sitting there with the interpreter, answering the question real, just kind of -of matter-of-factly. Then starts, they ask him, uh, uh, they asked him one other question, but then at the end, they asked him, well, 
I don't know if they asked him because it's in Spanish, who do you think won or what happened? But Jose just said, I felt like I was able to land one. Yes, yes, he did. Well, one of the greatest things I liked about this was um, how it like really brought the team together. And and our third base coach got ejected yeah. from fighting. Yeah. Our third base coach. How old's that guy? I know. Out there throwing fisticuffs. I got, I got to say one more thing. And this is, my wife noticed this. So when they tried to clear the field and the umpires had to figure out who to eject and who not to eject. Jose stayed on second base <laughs> the whole time. And, of course, the crowd is chanting. But the funniest thing was one of our pitchers brought him water on oh, second base. McKenzie, McKenzie right? right, right. Isn't that great? Says, here, have a drink of water. Drink You're of probably water. thirsty. Now, he was safe at second, though, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, but he didn't get to stay in the game after that. No, he didn't. Yeah, they had, they had to go they ahead. Had and, well, he, his... But you know, suspension still is, is pending. Is under appeal. Yeah, and and um, uh, Anderson, by the way, who got six days, and, and Ramirez got three. three days. But you know why Anderson got six days? He started it. He started it, and he came back out of the dugout. Oh, and was jawing at him again, and then and his people literally picked him up and put him back in the in the dugout. Which, by the way, is what uh, Naylor did to Class A. He picked him up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Classe got ejected yeah, that he, day too. He was hot. He was hot. What? Yeah. But I, did you notice the, the the national coverage of this story? It was all over the national news. I saw it on NBC. I saw it on ABC. Then I saw it again on Monday morning on Good Morning America. Or something. Really? I mean, it was all over the place. Well, it we the wifey and I went the next day, and I thought, oh wow, we are gonna just be so hyped up. We're going to absolutely destroy him. And that wasn't the case. No. Jose, I figured he would either have like a 200 home run day or an 0 for 5 day. And I think he ended up having a single and that was it. Yeah, yeah. And, and they lost that game in, yeah. in a heartbreaking way. It was rough. All right. But I will say one more thing about this. I think that Jose will always go down in Cleveland lore as one of our greatest players because of that contract that he he, he, he turned away money so he could stay in Cleveland, okay? This is right up there. People will always know this. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, our hometown guy, just what you said, so loyal, and then so loyal that he'll stand up and... Defend his teammates. Exactly. Yeah. And do it very well, by <laughs> the way. <laughs> well, that, it was... Watching the replay, I mean, Anderson threw a couple of, like, wild right. punches, and Jose was moving around in a wild way, kind of ducking covering down head, and yeah. covering up. And I don't even know if Jose's eyes were open when he freaking threw that haymaker. Right. And part of the reason that he caught Anderson was one of the White Sox were trying to pull him away. And as they were pulling him away, it just lined his fist right. perfectly up with Anderson's jaw yeah, was, and just dropped him. Uh, and we must say that, you know, we don't condone violence in any <laughs> form or anything like that, but... Unless it's Jose kicking Anderson's ass, because I love that. I'm not going to lie. That was fantastic. All right. We we may edit that part out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that was the Sports Report. report. (laughs) Let's try that again. That was the Sports Report. And what do we got next, Red? The Ginger Ginger Report. And... What are we talking about on the Ginger Report? I feel like I should be asking you that question. I this know. week's... I know, it's just pandering to me. <laughs> this week's subject is something that 
I've simply done some research about. I have not lived it in the way that you have. Yep, my research comes from life experience. So, we are talking about marathons. The marathon. A grueling 26-mile race that is probably the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I've run many marathons. I was going to say, but you've if it's the hardest thing you've ever done, why have you done it so many times? Because I always had a goal. And that's how I started. Okay. How did you get started? Well, let me ask this. Okay. How many marathons have you ran? I have run 19 marathons. That's a lot. That's a lot of marathons. And when was the first one that you ran? The first one I ran, uh, I'm guessing, because it was a quite a while ago, was in 1978. But let me back up a little bit. Okay. When I was still out of high school, I graduated in 72, and working to get my way through Cleveland State, I had this job working with um, uh, d- disabled kids out on Green Road, out by Miles. And I heard of this guy. His name is Bill. I know his last name, but I probably shouldn't say it. And he, I heard he ran a marathon from Hudson to downtown. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And I'm, a, I'm on like 23, okay? And so, I'm still impressionable. And healthy. And healthy, <laughs> yeah, and healthy. So I said, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to run, and I'm going to... And then I... Uh, lengthened my sights and said, I'm going to run the Boston Marathon, which is the epitome of all marathons. So, let me get this straight. You you just heard about this guy or you knew this guy? I knew he worked in this place I worked, okay. but I didn't really know him. Okay, but he ran? Yeah. It was an official marathon? Yeah, oh yeah. Okay, and you were like, wow, that's cool, I yeah, want to so, do that. So I started running wow. 10Ks and half marathons. So in 1978, I ran my first marathon. Okay. And... It's unheard of in these days. This one in the middle of February. Wow. Went from Bowling Green to Toledo. Okay, so 100 miles west of here. Yes. And if you've ever been to Bowling Green, it is one of the windiest cities ever. Oh, I have not. It's unbelievable. I've been only to Toledo a couple of okay. times. So, uh, and, and this is this is like, no, again, 1978. Running started taking off in 1975. So... Marathons, they weren't well run, they weren't, you know, well attended, and, and obviously we didn't have the uh, uh, running gear we have now. I wore a t-shirt and a windbreaker <laughs> in okay. the middle of winter. Jeez, uh, were you cold? Oh, well, let me tell you. So there was so much wind and it was so cold that my t-shirt froze oh. like a suit of armor. You could, <laughs> you could pound your chest. And it was like crunchy. <laughs> Hard. Like stiff. Stiff. Wow. Wow. So, like, now, if you were running in the winter, you would have all this dry-fit, moisture-wicking gear. Layers, wind res- or water-resistant outer shell, they call them. What's the most recent marathon that you've run? The most recent one? Well, let me back up a little bit. Okay, all right. This is your chicken. Yeah. I'll, I'll just watch the feathers fly. Okay. Uh, uh, good one. <laughs> <laughs> so... Again, my, my goal was to, to, to get to Boston. And to run Boston, back then, this is in the early 80s, you had to run, no, 1979, you had to run a marathon in under three hours. Yeah, I was read, as I was reading up about marathons, I read that the Boston Marathon has the lowest average time because the requirements to, requirements rather, to enter it are so strict. 
Right, right. So, and, and as I ran uh, races to, to learn how to run, I'll never forget this. I, when, I, when I used to run this race called the Hardathon, and I think I ran it uh, in about 127, one hour and 27 minutes. And I like said, okay, if I can do a half in an hour and 27, I can do a whole in three hours. So I, I said, okay, I, now I have to learn how to run a marathon. And I had this kid, his name was Matt, called Matt T. And uh, he was like four years younger than me, and he had run marathons. So he was gonna, he was gonna teach me how to run marathons. And I remember running out Gates Mills Boulevard, these big hills way out east. So what, you're approaching like 30 at this point? Oh no, I'm like 25. Okay. Okay. And he would, I'd be like, like 500 feet behind him. He'd be yelling at me, get up here, get up here. Wow. <laughs> And, but he taught me how to run marathons. So I ran that uh, first marathon from in Toledo. I didn't qualify. I think it was like three hours and eight minutes or something. That's still fast. Yeah, it, it's, it's a good time. Well, that's the whole thing. When you to qualify, you have to be able to run each mile at about six forty-five. I could do that maybe for one mile. Right, right. Could you maybe doing twenty-six. No. So, but I. I, I over over the like three or four year period, I was able to push up my miles. So I went down to Washington D.C. in 1978 to run the Marine Corps Marathon. And again, I'm 25 years old. I'm so full of myself as a runner. I think I can do this. I think I can qualify for Boston. It was about 75, 78 degrees that day. Sounds perfect. It's a little hot. Oh, really? It's a little. You'd hot. like it a little cooler? Yes. Okay. Oh, of course. And uh, I was feeling great, and I ran the first 19 miles in two hours. I was flying, flying. And this, Two-thirds of the way done. Yes, and I thought, I've got this, I've got this. But this is the thing about what people don't understand about a marathon. When you run a marathon, at some point, your body says, I'm tired. Yeah. And then more than that, it says, I'm exhausted. And when I was running in Washington that day, it was like a, a, a switch went off. And it was like, click, and I was exhausted. I was so tired that I could not lift my legs. Really? And so I started shuffling. And I was so tired, I couldn't stand up straight. So I was hunched over, dragging my feet for six miles. And you finished? And red, it was... I have never experienced pain like that in my whole life. That sounds grueling. And it was grueling, and I would not stop because I was also pig-headed. Yeah, too much pride. Well, I, I had Boston. I had Boston in my sights. So what literally happens? I crossed the finish line, and I was so exhausted, I passed out. Oh wow! Like you literally, literally fainted. Passed out. Like it was called the Marine Corps Marathon, and when I crossed the finish line, three Marines grabbed me and took me to a, a med tent. Wow. And I, I was out. I was out cold. Wow. And the only reason I woke up, because some young doctor, who was obviously a volunteer, was pounding my arm with, a, like, put fluids in them. An IV? Yeah. And not doing a good job no, of it, not, huh? Like, my arm was all bruised. <laughs> You're like, go, I've suffered enough. Right? Can't you see I'm in pain? Wow. So, uh... That's, that is wild. It is wild. Well, that... I don't know. Everyone kind of knows how Marathon started, right? Yes. Your story sort of makes me think of that. Yes. So Marathon started in Greece. Uh, do you know the guy's name? Starts with a P. Old Greek dude ran from Marathon to Athens, Athens. Ran straight through 
It was about 25 miles, all to tell them about a victory. That a military victory. That Greece had just accomplished. The, the Greek Navy, I think. Right. They were, those, those military victories were big back then. Well, definitely. And gets there to tell the news, tells the news, immediately falls over dead. Well, thank God my story didn't end that way. Well, I know. Like, you were, like, in bad shape. Oh, I was Thankfully, bad. not dead. Thank right. you, Marines. Maybe not doctor so much for beating up your arm, but at least they were there. So, uh, I have to tell you. That was the hardest one you've ever ran? Yes. But they're, they're all hard. They're all hard. Because once you hit 20, you've used up your energy, and you just have to get through. And, and it, it's hard. It's hard. Um, but I have to go back to this because I wanted to get to Boston. So I wrote, yeah, yeah. I look, got up the next day, looked in the paper, because back then we didn't have the internet. So they would publish, you know, 10,000 names in the paper of all the people who ran. And I found my name and my time. I had to do three hours, and my time was like three hours and 15 seconds. Wow. So I cut it out, sent it to Boston, explained the situation, how I passed out, and they let me in. Really? They let me in. Nice. So in 1979... I ran the Boston Marathon. Okay. In 79? In 79. And I say that because you asked me what, what was my mo- most recent marathon. Yeah. My most recent marathon was 2018. And Again, it was? in Boston. I was going to say, wait a second. I know you've ran it since I've known you. I remember you telling me right. about it. So, so you've ran the Boston Marathon how many times? Twice. Okay, so two times and about 40 years apart. 39. Well, about 40. Well, that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I say that in my own head because it that's how long it took me to qualify again. Oh. It's not like... 39 years to qualify again. It's not like once in, always in. No, no. You have to run one that year? It was the year before. So I went to Scranton, Pennsylvania and ran a marathon to qualify for, for Boston in 2018. And I remember you telling me that that Boston one in 2018 wasn't all that fun. It was the worst marathon of my experience. Not because it was the most painful. Because they're all pretty painful. (laughs) (laughs) In that beautiful, painful kind of marathon way. Not Washington painful, but they're tough. Yeah. I'll always remember this one time. When I turned 50, I ran the Akron Marathon. And I was at mile 24. And when you're at mile 24, you're like... You're almost in a sour mood because you you hurt and you want to be done and you you still have to run for. You're like I still got another twenty minutes or something. Right, right. But this one guy was all by himself playing guitar and all he kept saying over and over and he had a speaker, two more miles to go, two more. And he was running with you with the guitar. Oh, okay. But it was such a catchy (laughs) look too that it like helped me. (laughs) So, but back to the most recent marathon. What made this Boston marathon so rough? It wasn't the it wasn't the distance. Yeah. And it, it was the rain. And but this is what people don't understand about. They run the marathon in April. Well, what do we know about April? April showers. May flowers. Right, right. Well, this, in Boston, I guess the, the rains are torrential in, okay. off, the, off the ocean, okay? Well, it rained starting the night before uh, the marathon all the way through the whole marathon. So it rained for literally about 18 hours. Wow. And it was the kind of rain that you almost couldn't see through. And it, geez, and that was including the three hours or so that you had to run. Well, I'm, I'm older now, uh, Red, and it's 
four hours. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. So, and in the rain, I'm sure it didn't speed up your time. Oh, no. Oh, no. But it, 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 here was the thing. When you run in Boston, you have to get on a bus in Boston and go to Hopkinton is where the marathon starts. Okay. So you run from Hopkinton to Boston. Okay. I got there at 9 o'clock. By 9.05, I was soaked. Oh, jeez. My shoes were going... And you said, oh, great. Yeah. Only four more hours and of I this. I had this big plastic <laughs> tarp on me that somehow got lost before the race started. So I got there at 9, didn't run till 11. I was soaking wet from like 10.30 on. And even though you probably had the proper gear, it, oh, just, yeah. it was raining that much. I mean, it was so, I was so wet that I had to take my glasses off and run. I because you couldn't see through. It was it was amazing. Oh man, the, like I can only imagine how those kind of conditions would change a race in a big way. You saying that seventy five's a little hot. I was like, oh, that sounds perfect. But if you're running twenty six right. miles, the sixties probably sounds real right. good. And you you have to think about how much heat you're generating. Oh yeah. Well, I did like I say said uh, earlier do a few or I shouldn't say do, found a few interesting facts about marathons. I found out that in 1908, during the London Olympics, marathons had typically just been around 25 miles from their birth until 1908. But the queen asked for an extension of the route so that her children could see the marathon from Windsor Castle, or Windsor Palace, thank you, and that's what made it 26.2 miles for that particular marathon. Oh, wow. And then in 1924, 26.2 miles became the standard. That's in what. 1924? Yep. That's when all marathons then became uh, 26.2. I thought that was interesting. Like many marathon runners, I have a little decal on the back of my truck that says 26.2. Oh, yeah? And, and if you're a marathon runner, you know exactly what that well, is. Well, that, that leads me to my next in- interesting fact. Let me ask you this. What percent of the population do you think has run a marathon? In the United States, I can't say worldwide. I couldn't find that. In the United States, what percent of the population do you think has run a marathon? I would guess with the popularity of running that it's somewhere between 10 and 15%. 2%. 2%. It only seems like a lot more because everyone who runs a marathon talks about it constantly. Well, as my, my cousin always says, the hardest thing about running a marathon is how to keep bringing it up in conversation. Exactly. <laughs> I knew you were going to guess more than 2%. Oh, I was waiting for that joke. It didn't hit as good as I thought it would. All right. This one's true, though. Well, that was true, too. But uh, Dean, is this guy famous in marathon circles? Dean can K-A-N-A-Z-E-S? I've never heard of him. But okay. He ran 50 marathons in 50 days in 50 states. Oh, my God. I think I heard about this guy. Yeah, mo- that's what that guy's famous okay. for. Okay, if you've ever run a marathon, you understand how grueling it is and how long it takes to recover. Okay, I can remember hobbling the next day after at least 10 of the marathons. Hobbling, okay? 50? 50 in 50 days. And 50 states. And so 50 states. think about the travel time that requires as well. That's incredible. Like, you know, up in the Northeast, no problem. You could run a marathon and be in the next state. <laughs> but you, okay, now I have Colorado, to. Colorado, Nebraska, now, exactly, Kansas. You're doing a lot of traveling in between. And then you also still have to get to Alaska and Hawaii. That is inhuman. Crazy. So when people always say, well, you ran 19 marathons. Are you going to do one more and round it up? 
I'm going, no. <laughs> you think your marathon days are over? I think so. But you're still a runner. I'm a runner, and I enjoy running. But the problem with a marathon is is not so much the race. I mean, I know I can get through it, obviously. I've done 19. But it's the training and the three months before that. There were, there were times when I was running 70 to 75 miles a week. Wow. Leading up to a marathon. And that's a lot of... Not only effort, but that takes a lot of time. That's a lot of time. And, and like every Saturday, because I obviously was working back then, every Saturday you'd have to say, all right, I'm going to get up anywhere between 7 and 8 and go run for three, three and a half hours. Yeah, just spend your whole Saturday morning running. Yeah, it's just, it's just a, it's a big it's a chunk lot. of time. And then you're tired the rest of the day. Yeah, it's a big commitment. Yeah, so I, 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 I've done my marathons. I really don't need to round up to 20, you know. I, and I've run Boston twice. That's awesome. I've never ran one. Probably never will. I don't mind uh, like long walks and hikes and things like that. But I've never come close to 26 miles. Maybe the most I've walked and hiked in a day is 10 miles. I remember when I was in high school, they would have these walks for, I think it was the March of Dimes. And you had to walk 20 miles. And I, I, at the time in high school, I thought walking 20 miles was outlandish. Yeah, like, what are you talking you know, about? I never would have dreamed that I would have run, you know, marathons of 26 miles. And sometimes easily. Yeah, that's pretty impressive, Red. I think that's a, a really pretty uh, good description of um, your marathon, marathon experience. experience. I feel like I know more about them at this point. It's, it's a great thing. And I'm, I'm very happy that I made a part of my life and i'm very happy that i will be doing one again <laughs> <laughs> and now those days are done that's right well i think that wraps up another fantastic episode of red, red squared, squared.